0: As I was listening to the, the papers and discussions yesterday, I kind of had this sort of nagging sense of, oh my goodness, I haven't, um, I haven't done what I was supposed to do. I haven't uh, very explicitly connected this up with the legacy uh, that, is, uh, that is Gavin. And um, uh, yeah, that was, that was how I initially felt. But I, in, in rereading bits of my paper, I think... Um, I'll, even though I haven't necessarily been explicit, I, I, I think uh, the, the, the paper attempts to kind of pick up uh, some of the, the, the issues that we, uh, we looked at yesterday. Um, I will just say I was a student of Gavin's uh, between 2000 and 2005, um, and uh, he was my doctoral one of my doctoral supervisors, and um, it wasn't actually. Pop- I'm, I'm not sure about this, but I wonder if it was actually my first encounter with Gadden when I came to Oxford, because I learned after numerous conversations with him about, um, about my background. I was born in Scotland, actually, and um, the first time I ever visited Nigeria, went to Nigeria, was in 1972, um, and uh, I, I took a boat, uh, the Oriole, the ship from uh, from here in the UK to, to, to Nigeria. And it just so happens that I found out in our conversations that Gavin also, around the same time, uh, also took that same ship uh, when he he was in uh, Western Nigeria. So maybe, I don't know, our paths crossed in some sense. <laughs> but maybe not, I mean, that's just a, a nice way of thinking about it. Um, Gavin was... Uh, the supervisor, par excellence, who, who went the extra mile, uh, to put it lightly. Um, I announced to Gavin in two thousand late 2003, around September, before I'd even announced to my own dad uh, that I was with child <laughs> that I was expecting when I was supposed to be writing up. Um, and uh, uh, Gavin was initially very congratulatory and, uh, um, and, um, and said, OK, now, OK, let's think of a plan. Nine months, nine chapters, you can do it, don't you? <laughs> 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 uh, and, uh, and this is what we did. Uh, we did this uh, nine months, nine chapters, and it nothing so to concentrate the mind as uh, that kind of uh, deadline. <laughs> that kind of deadline. So, uh, you know, uh, this is this is how um, the, 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 the the thesis uh, came to came to pass. Um, uh, I think I had the conclusion left to write just before I decided um, to stop, like a few days before my baby was born, um, and then handed in. Managed to hand in um, six months after. So um, I just have a very kind of fond memory of, of, of me in uh, a flat in Oxford that I just happened to be um, staying in because I had to hand in my thesis the next day or something. And, and my baby in my arm, breastfeeding in one hand, the phone to the other end, Gavin on the other end of the line, saying, OK, that's page 12, line 14, have you got a pen? And there I was, uh, finalising the last detail. So uh, I have very fond memories of that. That, that whole encounter. Um, I um, yeah. I, I I I would no way have got through that uh, experience in, and remained more or less sane um, without uh, without Gavin. Um, I'll just I'll just uh, go into it. There's a very long paper, very hurriedly put together, um, which tries to do a number of things. It draws very heavily on on the work. Um, of my thesis, which uh, some of you may know, uh, which was about the politics of oil and and ethnic nationalism in Nigeria's oil-producing Niger Delta, but also tries to reflect on what's kind of happened since I stopped working on the Delta, um, since my thesis and the, the rise of what we call what has been called insurgency or militancy in the delta, so the the, 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 the open armed uh, conflict, and I and I try <clears throat> in this paper to engage with some of the very popular um, readings of 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 that conflict um, within the kind of. Um, greed and grievance uh, narrative um, the kind of resource curse literature that's become um, yeah, ve- 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 very um, popularly cited at least and I do this by trying to, <clears throat> by trying to um, bring back in some of the earlier uh, work looking at uh, the bigger picture of how oil transformed uh, the Nigerian uh, political economy And I use this to try and suggest that what we see in the Niger Delta today, what what is described as militancy and the rest of it, is actually can be seen rather than as a a kind of um, deviation of rebellion against state, but actually perhaps as something which is more an emanation of that which was and still is. So rather than uh, looking at, you know, Rebels arising to capture resources um, like oil and, and existing and rebellion existing as a, as a, as a consequence of that, um, I look at in many ways then how, how the Nigerian state itself, because of the manner in which oil has con- has created has, has informed the, the the character of the Nigerian state and, and because of the way in which a kind of an unofficial economy of oil, um, uh, oil uh, politics has 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 been so characteristic that that has kind of grafted itself onto so-called rebellion, and in fact, is a reflection of of of, of state practices um, rather than a, a a challenge to them. Okay, that's what I do in this paper, and I'm not going to um, I'm not going to go through it. All. I'm just going to speak to little bits of it, um, and yeah, I I will leave you to, to, to read the details. It's, it's really very rough, okay? Um, I'll I'll just start with this particular paragraph. When I first embarked on my doctoral adventure some 10 years ago, when I was fortunate enough to have been safely midwived through by Gavin, I use that word not lightly, um, Gavin Williams, <laughs> and his and his one-time student, Raul Mustafa. My big question was: Did oil create the e-job? today deemed to constitute some 8 to 12 million people and the largest minority in Nigeria. And um, it's now infamous oil-rich Niger Delta region. Or at least did it give them a sense of political purpose that they might otherwise not have found? Or have they always been this passionate about their membership of the Ejor ethnic nation? So a constructivist at heart, I waxed lyrical for many years about how oil in transforming the Nigerian state also transformed notions of peoplehood, giving one-time enemies every reason to be friends in the perennial struggle for national cake-sharing. In asking the question, I suppose, um, I was asking the political economy question, par excellence, was the political community, i.e. the hijot, essentially an economic one, Are you brought together by a common desire to chop their own? This line of questioning brought me to look more closely at the architects of ethnic nationhood, to look at their motivations and social origins, um, and also to look at why and at what moments the the, the narrative of ethnic nationhood sticks, holds purchase, becomes popular. Um, Of course, the political architects themselves, my friends, challenged this assumption for good reason. Theirs, they argued, was a battle for blood and kinship. Nigeria's oil exploitation history merely underlined their predicament as a people denied political expression, marginalized, and unable to benefit from the God-given resources, which happened to be oil and gas, beneath their feet. In this paper, I revisit some of the answers to that question and explore in what ways they shed light on our understanding of the motivations behind uh, armed violence, okay? Um, I'll just turn to, I mean, I, I, in, in re-looking at this uh, paper yesterday, I kind of um, revisited um, an article, uh, a chapter, a book chapter, um, that Gavin uh, wrote with, with Shea Watman. Um, in '99, uh, in the um, Hislop-edited uh, volume, Power and Democracy um, in Nigeria, it's entitled. Okay, um, and there are a few little gems. Uh, I think that I—it's kind of a potted history of politics in Nigeria, and um, there are a few little gems that were obviously very, what seemed to me now, in reviewing it, quite key to the way I kind of put this uh, paper together. Now, just go through some of them quickly. In this this chapter, very useful chapter, Williams, uh, Gavin argued that the ideology of tribalism, bringing Mafege back into this, um, was promoted by bureaucratic elites as a means of masking their ambiguity and securing some sort of (coughs) of rootedness in a territorial context, from which due to their most basic and important allegiances, they were far removed, okay? Um, Political competition, this is the second point, political competition is never an impersonal phenomenon. Phenomenon. Uh, Differences between and within groups based on region, ethnicity, or religion become the basis of discriminating in favour of some actors over others in this politics of spoils for office. Um, What else? What other gems do we have here? Um, uh, Bourgeois competition. We looked at this. Some, Some people talked about this yesterday. Bourgeois competition, particularly... Um, it became particularly intense after oil. Um, that's after oil uh, becomes the, the, the mainstay of the Nigerian economy, um, and so on and so forth. I won't go through all this because I, I know time is running on. Oh my goodness, that's no, five minutes, not one minute. <laughs> okay, so let me just sort of say something a bit about the structure of the paper, then I'll move to the conclusions. I mean, basically, the paper is divided into two main sections. The first section uh, it, it looks at what I describe um, as kind of another approach uh, to, 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 to looking at militancy. And instead, there's a, there's a sense in the literature, the now popular literature, um, and, and, and those who argue against it, um, to kind of take continuities given. So Pop Collier and, and, and friends argue that, uh, you know, uh, rebels are all gangsters, and they're really, it's the, 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 the oil is just a kind of... Um, Uh, Resource ready for capture, etc. I mean, there are debates about that. Um, Now, those who have argued convincingly against this uh, perspective, and I'm thinking of Michael Watts here, I'm also thinking of um, Okei Beanu and um, and Larkham. Um, and a number of others, have ten, and Ukoha Ukiwo, um, uh, who was also here, have tended to try and uh, to crack, uh, to sort of um, challenge uh, Collier's thesis by suggesting that he doesn't look su- sufficiently at history um, and continuities, and, ex- and, and, and he doesn't seek to explain why the, intellig- the intelligibility of, uh, of, of armed uh, so-called rebellion um, that, you can, that you can trace, for example, and I've, and I've done this myself, you know, the 1990s, uh, 1980s, 1990s, just a sort of Sarah moment in the Niger Delta where politics was peaceful, protest was peaceful and organizing it. And, 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 and as a result of military intrusion, um, um, the, the destruction of, uh, of protest in a very kind of aggressive way, uh, you have uh, a response to that which is violent, uh, And the opportunities created in the, the Nigerian transition from uh, military to civilian rule, democratized access to resources making um, making uh, mi- uh, the, the, the militant option a, a viable one now, um, I was very enticed by this um, view originally, and but what what it seems to um, miss out to what kind of bothered me was the, the kind of sense of continuity which was presumed so A lot of these very sympathetic voices to um, the fundamental what's wrong in the Niger Delta uh, question um, tended to see the 1990s as a a moment when... um, Oil-affected communities were always sort of rising up against oil multinationals, and E.J. nationalism was a kind of mobilizing discourse of um, mainly educated but disaffected youth who were sort of galvanizing all this together. Um, And what's happening now, and, and when I talk about continuity, some of the critiques of the Collier perspective presume that what we are seeing today is actually a continuation of same in more violent mode. And what I try to argue in this paper, and what the first three sections try and do, is to suggest that actually there was a break somehow. I mean, this is tentative, and I'm very open to kind of looking at this in, in more detail, but I'd like to suggest that rather than presume that what we see today is Ejor nationalism in another guise, that we look at that critical juncture, and I, there are three that I outline, but the one that's really key, I think, is that transition from civilian to to, to, um, military to civilian rule. And Watts has described this transition um, as having created a paradox. And I think this is quite the use of a quite light language, okay? Uh, That it's paradoxical that militants or people who were involved in um, ethnic sort of nationalist, kind of progressive politics um, suddenly became captured by politician patrons who are eager now to fund um, their, their, their activity and, he, and I think there's a sense in, in, see, in seeking to suggest a continuity, there's an, a sense of kind of looking, overlooking the radical break that happened at that moment and how the, tra- the, the serious transformation that took place and I use that as a way in to, to, to reviewing uh, the literature on the political economy of the Nigerian state, how oil transformed it, um, how it created opportunities for um, uh, the illicit capture of oil within the state itself. I mean, there's a work by, um, I'm thinking particularly of um, Teresa Turner about uh, the whole market of uh, informality around the oil sector and the the special the special, uh, the special um, accounts created throughout the the, the, the military period and the the, the, the the systemic practice of oil smuggling across borders I mean that was kind of all in place and I I suggest in the second section that actually what we're seeing um, in the Delta today, um, in spite of the the recent amnesty that's taking place, is a a kind of a war economy that's a kind of a transposition of what we have uh, within the state. I look in some detail at how, in many ways, the institutions that have been set up to securitize control over those resources. I'm thinking of the Joint Task Force that was, has kind of been built up since 2004, in many ways is a vehicle for the continuation of SAME. So there's a lot of documented work on how the, the Joint Task Force is essentially a vehicle for continuing this sort of illicit capture. And now the problem, our end here, the problem is that in the, there's, a, there's an amnesty for militants that was signed at the end of last year not really amounted to much apart from quite a 50 billion naira budget but it's really doling out money to militants to put down their arms but there's a sense in which um, that has been a kind of an attempt a cover for a a beefing up of security um, in the delta and the instrument being used to do that beefing up is precisely the instrument um, that has been fomenting that conflict for, um, for what I argue the, the, the continued side of illicit capture of oil. So I, this is a, a tentative attempt to kind of bring together um, some of the themes uh, that, that, that I, 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 I kind of deal with and the thesis that Gavin, my interaction and supervision by Gavin, was sort of instrumental in in, in raising. That critical... That taking nothing for granted and being quite critical um, of of discourses um, that seems to, to have a lot of purchase. And this, what I'm saying, is kind of I'm torn uh, in that it's it's kind of controversial stuff. You know, my first informants, I'm just going to stop. My first informants, who are still sort of friends, and the rest are those who hold this narrative. To be part of kind of political, uh, cause. So in, 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 un, in unpicking it, um, uh, you know, I'm treading on, 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 on some sacred ground. Um, I'll leave it there. Thank you. Thank you very much, Governor.